Send the Bible? Yeah. I don't know. I don't remember. The B-R-B. Oh, okay. B-R-B-R-B. Yes, I have a crummy. Stand up on the world of a B-R-B-R-B. else want to sing? Sing the Bible. All right, well, did she say no? (laughs) Well, okay, we'll just go home then. All right, well, I appreciate breakfast, everything this morning, your kind words and and gifts, and me and my family both, we all appreciate that, and enjoy the fellowship greatly. I enjoy that fellowship. Uh, Let's see, next Sunday night, we will begin uh, revival, you know, say Bible school. We're, we'll begin revival at 6 p.m. Uh, Brother Jason Cornett will be here Sunday, and then the rest of the week will be starting at 7 p.m. So continue to be in prayer for that. We're going to pray again today for it as well. He's excited. I'm excited about what's getting ready to take place. Um, and then I, I want to, I just want to tell Keith and his crew thanks for cleaning up around here. It looks good. The painting and the staining and all that y'all have done, it looks really good out there. And and Conley and everybody that's been mowing and taking care of the place, it looks it looks good. I think that's it. If you got your Bible, turn over to Nehemiah chapter nine. Nehemiah chapter nine. Carolyn, your heat's working just fine now. Just uh turn that down a smidge. Nehemiah chapter 9. We're going to, again, we're going to continue looking at the need for revival. And, and this morning we're just going to look at, briefly, where does revival come from? We talk about real revival, and we talked about um, just different aspects of revival, but wh- where exactly do we find real revival? And as I was studying this week, I ran across several little I don't know, little short stories and things that, that just kind of tie in to this. And one of them I was reading was about a little girl that had gone to a revival, had been going to church that whole week, got saved during the revival service, and then that coming Sunday, she was baptized. And after the baptism, she went back home to and to see her grand her granddad, and uh, she was jumping and shouting and just having a good old time. She was so proud of herself for what she had done by asking Jesus into her heart. And her, and again, this is on a Sunday, and this is what the grandpa said. He said, you ought to be ashamed of yourself. You just joined the church, and you're singing and dancing on the Lord's Day? That crushed her spirit. I mean, that destroyed her. And so she just kind of moped on out to the barn, and she jumped up on the fence, and she's sitting there looking at old mule, and the mule just sitting there and just looked all sad and, and just droopy face, and she reached over, and she pet that mule, and she said, it's okay. She said, don't cry, old mule. I guess you've got the same kind of religion my grandpa's got. Sometimes people, 
they have religion, and they don't have that relationship. Sometimes with that religion, it can bring on a sour face. It can bring on a sour nature. Sometimes that religion that you have, oh, that was joyful noise right there. It cut off. Ah, thank you. Sometimes that religion can make people sometimes bitter, and, and they just they miss the mark. They miss the point of that relationship with Jesus. And in Nehemiah 9, we have this massive revival that has taken place, and we'll read it here in just a moment, but it's taken place among the people of God. That's where revival takes place is among the people of God. But there's somewhere else that revival can take place that we're going to read about. We need revival like what we're going to read here in a moment. We need that kind of revival. Chestnutdale needs revival. Avery County needs revival. This nation needs revival. And the world sure could use a dab of this revival as well. We need a massive revival like we're going to read about. And we, but we need it first to take place in our hearts. That's where revival starts. It doesn't start whenever the preacher picks up the phone and calls another preacher and said, hey, can you come preach? That's not where revival starts. It starts with you. It starts in your heart. It starts with you preparing your heart and getting ready for the Word of God, getting ready uh, to be rejuvenated, getting ready to be regenerated, getting ready to be refreshed. That's what revival is to do for us. The heart, this is one of the things I was reading this week, and I believe this is, this is so true. The writer said, The heart is a delicate and vulnerable spiritual instrument. The heart is vulnerable and delicate. It is, and I, when I think about the heart, especially in the church point of view, we can be easily tempted by the devil. But if you look at it just as a, as, as a youth, and that's one of the things we've always talked about growing up, one of the hardest things, that, one of the things that I've dreaded the most and, and me and Maurice talked a lot about this, is seeing our children's heart broken. And that's something that, that we don't ever want to see is our children's heart broken because it's, they're vulnerable, and, and it, can, it, can, it can ruin a child. But the same with um, having a relationship as well. Whenever we allow uh, our hearts to be broken by something that has taken place in our church or something that is supposedly uh, religious, something someone has said to us in church or outside of church, but it goes against what we believe. Sometimes we can get our heart broken, and it can damage the Christian life. It can, it can hurt us to a point where we will step away or walk away from the church because of what has taken place. My grandpa was like that. I'll never forget he had his heart broken in church by someone saying something about him in the church. And for years, uh, not just a couple years, probably 30 years or so, he would not step foot back in a church. You can have your heart broken, and you've got to be careful with how we guard our heart and how we listen to what people have to say to us and, and take a lot of what's being said with a grain of salt. The heart is what drives our emotions and our motivations it's the thing that needs to be changed when we trust Jesus. When we allow Jesus into our hearts, that's the first thing that changes. It's not our appearance. Our, our hair don't get, we don't get preacher hair. Our, we don't jump up from there and, and start speaking in tongues or anything like that. The heart is changed first. In Romans 10, 9, we read this, especially when somebody is, is wanting to be saved. We read this, that if thou shalt confess with the mouth, the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. 
the heart. The heart is where it all begins. That's where we got to start with our revival. So what happened in Nehemiah needs to happen in our church today. If you can, slowly stand with me. I know everybody's really tired and full. This will be the last time. No, it's not. I'm not going to lie to you. You have to do it again here after a while. Nehemiah 9.1. Now on the 20 and 4th day of this month, the children of Israel were assembled with fasting, with sackcloth and earth upon them. And the seed of Israel separated themselves from all strangers and stood and confessed their sins and the iniquities of their fathers. And they stood up in their place and read in the book of the law of the Lord their God one-fourth part of the day and another-fourth part they confessed and worshipped the Lord their God. Let's pray. Lord God, this morning we just thank you for this church. God, we thank you for where your, your presence is felt. It is known in our hearts, and God, we thank you for that. Thank you for our fellowship. Lord, these, these folks here, they're beyond brother and sister to me. Lord, they're friends, they're family, and God, we just thank you for their hearts and for their love. And I pray, God, you'd bless them for all that they've done today for my family, and just thank you for placing us here. And God, I pray today as we continue to prepare ourselves, prepare our hearts and our minds for revival, Father, I pray that we take these words that are going to be uh, spoken today, God, and they would be taken seriously. And God, as we prepare, this is the final week before our revival. God, I pray that we spend this week at the time of prayer and fasting, Lord. I pray that this week we would be able to prepare our hearts for what we're going to receive next week. And God, we thank you for all that you're doing here in the church, and I pray, God, that you would be with those that are, are sick. God, we want to lift up Brother Jerry to you this, this morning. And God, I pray that you would just give him rest and comfort today as a, and, and the whole family as well. God, I pray that you would uh, grant them answers uh, this week. God, I pray that you would just uh, continue to, to heal him and, uh, again, just give him that comfort that he needs. And I pray, God, again, that you would just continue to grow and bless. I listen in your son's name we pray. Amen. And I, I did forget to mention that, and I apologize. That's what happens when I don't write stuff down. I forget things, lots of things. Jerry was in the hospital uh, last night. Um, possible heart attack they sent him home what'd you say 5 30 this morning come home really early this morning he might as well just come on to the church i mean if he's gonna be he could have got started cooking early but he's uh they're home him doris jerry is at home right now and uh, resting up so don't have a lot of details yet until he goes to his primary physician to get the get some more tests done so just be in prayer for jerry today and go out there and eat a piece of bacon for him after a while nehemiah I love this little story right here. This right here, I believe, if we were to just to stop and look at how we, as a as a group, as a church, should prepare ourselves for revival, there's three points right here in these three verses that we could go off of to completely get prepared for what is getting ready to take place. The first thing we're going to look at, though, is the preparation for revival. So we're preparing, and not because the preacher is doing a, a little short series on revivals before revival. That's not really preparing. So if you go back and you look at verse 1, it says, Now on the twenty and fourth day of this month, the children of Israel were assembled with fasting and with sackcloth and earth upon them. What happened prior to, to, the, to a revival in the heart? What happened to, right prior to this revival? What did they do? They fasted. We just blew that out of the water today, didn't we? 
There's no fasting taking place this Sunday. Let me give you a definition for that. Abstinence from food and or drink as an element of private or public religious devotion. Now, right here, it's used in combination with repentance. One of the things that we do when we, we uh, fast, we're, we're to, to pray and to fast and to repent as well. So as we're praying, we're repenting, we're asking for forgiveness. I don't know if y'all have ever tried to fast. Some people can do it. it is a, it's a very moving thing that if you can do it, some people have, have fasted and they have taken out food. Some have fasted and taken out other things in their life. And, and there's different ways of fasting. It's not necessarily food and drink. It can be something a lot of people that I've known know of now are doing things such as don't spend money. Believe it or not, that's fasting. When you can take a week, five days, however you want to do it, and just don't spend a dime, that's fasting. And that's allowing God, that's allowing you to depend primarily on God to provide and allowing Him to provide. It's amazing what you can do when you're fasting. It's a sacrifice. It's a sacrifice of convenience, and it's a sacrifice of comfort. Fasting is not supposed to make you feel comfortable. Fasting should make you depend on God and make you realize what He can do for you. Now, the whole idea of sacrificing is to seek the face of God. God knows we are serious when we do something of value in exchange for his response of a blessing, he knows that we're serious when we fast. He knows as a, as a church body or as an individual, when you stop doing something that you are inclined to do on a daily basis, that you take for granted, like spending money or eating a lot, eating, eating out a lot or eating things that might be unhealthy. When you take that out, God sees that. And he knows that you are serious. He knows that your heart is serious when you're preparing for something. I know a lot of folks will fast right before, um, or before Easter to prepare for what is going to take place on that, that Sunday. Not the meal that we might have, but it's for the service that we will have. And we really, I don't know if you've ever tried to fast right before uh, Easter, but it is an amazing, it's, it's an amazing thing. But he knows we're serious when we would give up something like that. We have... And don't take this the wrong way, and I've really thought long and hard about talking about this this morning after what we just did. But we have plenty of feasting in our churches today, but seldom any fasting. Now, nothing against feasting. It's biblical. So what we've done this morning is not against God. It's not against the Bible. It's a good thing, what we're doing here. Most people today are, are not able to, to curb their, their fleshly appetites uh, and, and be able to work or do the work of God better. A lot of people can't do that. It, it is a sacrifice. A lot of people just can't take that sacrifice. Now, again, feasting, it's not wrong. God ordained a number of religious feasts for the Jews. So we're fine. We're good. Don't worry about this. All right, we're doing good right now. But this is what I read this week. And this, this preacher, he wrote this back in 1980-something. But I loved what he said. He says, but all feasting and no fasting reveals spiritual problems, just like all playing and no praying says we need revival. And he's right. All playing and no praying means we need revival. We're so interested in feasting today and, and some of the churches that you can't even go to Sunday school without having coffee and donuts. I'm dead serious. We're so set on trying to bring in the, the, the crowds 
and, and we're trying to get the nickels and noses to pop up in the church that we're compromising and we're bringing food and drink into the church house itself and allowing it to turn into a restaurant. Or we're bringing food and drink into it. And I, and I'm so against it, just so you know. I don't, I don't approve of that by no means. I don't believe in having that here as I watch Clayton over there with his puffs and water. <laughs> I don't believe that the church house is a place for us to partake of any meal. We have fellowship hall. That's fine. But you don't do that stuff inside the house of, the house of God. You come in here and you worship. Don't bring your Krispy Kreme and your, your Starbucks coffee in the church. You leave that outside. But so many churches are compromising now. Like, well, we can get more people in here if we just open us up a coffee shop or donut shop and, and bring them in. You can grab your donut, get you a croissant on the way in, and, uh, and we'll talk about God for about five minutes while the rest of the time we're eating. Mm-mm. Nope. Another preacher, and again, I found a lot of stuff on this this week. Uh, one of the preachers said, Add-ons like this, like that in a Sunday school class will not contribute to a disciplined study of the Word of God. Your mind is somewhere else. You're thinking about, can I go get another donut? Can I go get another cup of coffee? That coffee's too hot. That coffee needs more creamer. Why anybody puts creamer in your coffee? You're weird. But you're thinking about different things. You're not studying the Word of God. It is Sunday school. It is a time to learn and to, to disciple, to be discipled, to be taught. It's a time for you to focus on the Word of God and to break down what we're studying to have a better grasp of, of the Word of God. That's what we're here for. Not what flavor hazelnut do you like? What kind of creamer do you like in your, in your coffee? How much sugar do you take? That's not why we're here. That's not why we're here. We're here to learn. We're here to study. We're here to worship. Now, something else they did was uh, they humbled themselves. And, and the Bible says here, with sackcloth and earth upon them. Sackcloth and ashes, that, that was evidence of repentance. We've read that several times in the Old Testament. We see the sackcloth. We see the ashes. We see that they have stripped themselves down and they put the sackcloth on it. Have y'all ever had a burlap sack on you? You ever just, not really had to wear one, but have you ever just had to just grab a hold of one? Things are rough. I bet, I, mean, I bet you got a few of them laying around, ain't you, Nat? Old burlap. A whole bunch. Of, would you wear one to church next Sunday? Okay, I would too. I'd hate for you too. It's getting cold out there. You might want to put two on. That was a show. That was a sign of repentance. Now, next, I ain't expecting the whole church to come in here with ashes on your head and sackcloth around you. That's, that's not what we're talking about here. We don't have to do that anymore. We don't have to show that kind of repentance. It's between you and God only now. And we don't have to show that kind of repentance. They had been so arrogant in the past, and now they realize their sin against God. We, as Americans right now, have been pretty arrogant against God. And I'll be honest with you, the churches right now are being pretty arrogant against God. And it's time for us to go back to the time of Nehemiah and realize how arrogant we are, how, how much pride that we have in ourselves right now, in not a good way, but we have so much arrogance and pride in ourselves right now. You'll never find it. It is hidden. She's going to turn it off. But there's so much there. And until we learn what humility is, we're, we're just going to be humiliated. When, if we don't, as a, as a member of the church, if we don't learn about humiliation, what it means to, to be humble, we're just going to be humiliated for the rest of our lives. 
Revival can't happen without that humility. Much of what goes on in today's churches is driven by nothing but pride. Nothing but pride. And there is no room for pride inside a church. There's no room for pride behind the pulpit, and there's no room for pride in the pews. Keep that mess out of here. And again, I'll quote Preacher Ray on this one like I always do. He says, don't swallow your pride, it taints your body, spit it out. And I believe that 100%. Get rid of your pride. If you've got a pride-filled heart and you're trying to come in here and worship, you ain't going to worship. If you've got pride in your heart when you step in here next week for revival, you're not going to worship. There's no room for pride in the church. This is why many get offended easily. They serve from pride, not from a, a humble spirit. We have to have that humble spirit. Second Chronicles, I'm going to read again. I read it last week. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Amen. Is this why so many altars are empty right now? Do you think that pride has put a wall up around our, our altars, around our churches right now, and this is why we're don't, we don't see them full anymore? I don't know. Is this why so many Christians are, are uncaring towards other people right now because of pride? Is this why there's so many that have a it's my way or the highway attitude because of pride? Maybe. Is this why there's no power and passion for God's work? Pride is stopping us. Pride in our hearts is stopping us from growing. Pride in our hearts is stopping this world from having the revival that we need. It is pride. It is pride. And that is of the devil. Secondly, I want you to think about the, the conduct of revival, how we, how we do revival. Verse number 2 says, And the seed of Israel separated themselves from all strangers and stood and confessed their sins and the iniquities of their fathers. What is evidence of a, a heart that's experienced revival? What, what do you see in someone whenever you're, they're experiencing real true revival? Do you see them or hear them saying amen, or, or do you see them waving their hanky? See them at the altar? First thing you see, though, is separation. It says they separated themselves from all strangers. When you're having a really good revival... Sometimes you don't want to be around people at work. Maybe you want to tell them what's going on, but you don't want to be around them much because they can be a buzzkill. They can just suck the life right out of you sometimes. But they, you need to separate yourself. They separate themselves from those that didn't worship God. So here we are having revival, and I'm telling y'all, it's really good to invite people in. And it is amazing if you can invite people in. Be a part of this revival service. Come, be with us. Maybe you know somebody that needs to be saved. Come be with us. But here it's saying, separate yourself from the ungodly folks. He's telling us, don't hang around them. It's okay to invite them, but don't be hanging around with them because they can kill the spirit. They can kill what's going on. Ephesians 5.11 says, And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. The need for revival always comes when the world and the flesh get in us. What has been in us now for the past couple years? The world and the flesh. We've allowed a pandemic 
to get in our lives and stop us, prevent us from worshiping. We've allowed this pandemic to stop not just us from having revival, but anybody else from having revival. But it's, it's out of, of safety concerns, I understand that. But we've allowed the world and the fleshly things to, uh, to stop us from having real revival. It affects our services, our, our motivation, and our feelings towards others. We can become bitter towards others. We have to be cautious. When our affections lean more towards the world instead of God, it is time. It is time for revival. And that's kind of where our eyes are now. We've taken our eyes off. The church has taken their eyes off of the Word of God. And we have got our eyes fixed on what the media has to say, what the news has to say, what does the world say. It's so bad that we quit we don't watch just Fox News or whatever. We're watching BBC now. What's going on in Europe? What's going on in, in Africa? What's going on in Russia? We're watching it, and we're so fixed on the worldly things that we've taken our eyes off the Word of God. We're not hearing what the Word of God has to say. We're not hearing that still small voice speaking to us. We're hearing what the news anchors are having to say. We're hearing all the negativity in the world, and we've taken our eyes completely off of God. We need revival. The church needs revival. The church of God has got to have it. This world needs revival. We're so fixed on negative that we forgot what the positive is. And something else they did here, there was confession. that says they stood and confessed their sins and the iniquities of their fathers. The people felt the weight of their sins and they poured their hearts out to God. Confession is a good thing. Confession is a great thing. <clears throat> it said they confessed it before God and their fathers. I believe in confession. I believe in talking to God and confessing your heart, pouring your heart out to Him, revealing your sins to Him. He already knows them, but confessing your sins to Him. But I also believe that confession amongst others, brothers and sisters, is uh, extremely important. If there's, you know, the Bible tells us if we have an ought against our brother, we're to go to him. If we have something against a brother or a sister that we need to confess to them, we need to talk to them, we need to get forgiveness, we need to do it before, we, you, can ever, before you can ever have revival. You've got to get it off your chest. You've got to confess, not just to God, but to one another. Confession is a huge step in, a, in revival. There's that, uh, the, one of the guys that I was reading said that the, the, there is a release in the confession of sin. There's a release. What he's saying there is that burden is lifted. That released, if you've ever, if you've ever been burdened down between you and God or you and someone else and you've confessed that sin to them, that burden has lifted. It is gone. There was a, another one of these little stories I read. The Persian king Frederick the Great was once touring Berlin, a Berlin prison. The prisoners fell on their knees before him and proclaimed their innocence, except for one man who kept silent. Frederick called to him, Why are you here? Robbery, your majesty, was his reply. Are you guilty? Yes, indeed, your majesty. I deserve my punishment. Here's what he said. Frederick the Great 
then called for the jailer and ordered him, Release this guilty wretch at once. I will not have him kept in this prison where he will corrupt all the fine, innocent people who occupy it. <laughs> Everybody's innocent. Everybody's innocent. Now, did you ever arrest anybody that was guilty? That's all innocent when you put the cuffs on them, wasn't they? Every one of them. <laughs> they done nothing. And their daddy was a lawyer, and they're going to get him out of it too, wasn't it? Yeah. Yep. Used to hear, when I worked at the police department, they'd, they'd always call and say, well, my daddy's a lawyer. He's going to get me out of this. I said, my dad's a meat cutter. I don't care what your daddy is. So what? You screwed up. <laughs> serve, serve your time. There's three things about confession that we've got to think about here. The first thing is in order for confession to be right, it must be sincere. All right, if, if me, and, me and Conley's got something against each other right now, and a preacher's sitting here talking about confession, if the preacher says, well, he said, I've got to go confess to Conley because we've got bad blood between us, you've got to do it for the right reason. I'm not going to say, Conley, I'm sorry, and then walk away. It's got to be sincere. When you confess to God, it's got to be sincere. When you confess to one another, it has to be sincere. It has to be from the heart, not from the gut, not from the mind. It's got to be from the heart. You have to mean it. Be sincere. Conley, I am so sorry for whatever or whoever it is. It has to be from the heart. That's all he's asking from us. Make it from the heart. But it also involves repentance or else it's just empty words. There has to be repentance that follows that. Repent, get away from it, or it's just words. When you say, I'm sorry, I'm not going to do it again. Lord, I'm so sorry I've done this. Please forgive me. You're forgiven, but then he wants you to stay away from it. Don't do it again. If you just keep being a habitual sinner, it's just empty words whenever you cry out to him. It's just empty words when you go and apologize to someone else if you don't really mean it and stay away from it. And the last thing there is God is always more anxious to forgive than we are able to be forgiven. He wants to forgive you. He wants to. I, I was feeding Hank, my dog, yesterday. He's, he's, he's a sharp little pup. He knows when I open up, there's a can in, in my office there at the house. And when I open that thing up, it's got treats in it. As soon as I push the button for that lid to fly open, he's in his cage. He goes straight to his cage. He knows what's coming next. I don't want him to do that. I want him to sit at my feet because I want him to, to do my commands. I want him to sit and shake and roll over to all that stuff that we're working on. I want him to do it. But he's antsy. He's, prant he's, he's ready. He's ready for something to happen. God is ready for something to happen. He's antsy. He's anxious. He's waiting for you to cry out to him and ask for forgiveness. He's just ready. He's just ready to jump. Just as soon as you say, Lord, forgive me, boom, it's done. It's done, and he forgets about it. That's what he wants from us. He wants to forgive us more than we want to be forgiven. There's a lot of times we don't want to be forgiven. A lot of times we like to have pity parties. A lot of times we like to hang on to things in our lives. We, we want to use that for a pity party between you and yourself and I, or you, however that goes. We want to hang on to just a little bit of it, but he's wanting you to let go of it all. And be forgiven. Now the third thing, final thing, verse 3 tells us, And they stood up in their place and read in the book of the law of the Lord their God one-fourth part of the day and another fourth part 
they confessed and worshipped the Lord their God. So what is the product of a heart that is revived? There will be reading of God's word. There'll be reading. Again, right here it tells us, They stood up in their place and read in the book of the law of the Lord their God. What else would account for standing for hours to hear God's word other than zeal? Having a zeal for God. Now they stood. Now if y'all want to test this out, this Sunday whenever Preacher Jason gets here, we'll just stand while he preaches. The whole time we'll just stand. I'm not going to ask you to do it today. But we'll just stand. We'll just stand here for an hour or so and see what happens. Because the old saying, the mind can only absorb what the buck can endure. We'll just see what happens by standing. But they always stood and worshipped. Stand and worship. The word of God reveals sin and is the mirror of our lives. It reveals that, that like I was saying last week about the lady that, that was mad at the preacher because he kept preaching against everything she was doing and what did they know in the Sunday school classroom. And that old lady, she just said, I wish you would stop doing this. I have to go home and take a, a volume, two volume every day after preaching because of the way I feel. And that other guy said, well, if you just get saved, you wouldn't need those. That's what the Word of God does. It convicts us. It makes us want to confess. It wants, it wants us to clean up our lives, be better Christians, better servants for God. So that's what this revival should do for us. It, it, it's going to reveal sin. It's going to reveal things that, that even I haven't preached on yet. It's going to reveal things that I haven't heard yet myself. You know what? Part of the time about revival, sometimes you're a little bit nervous because you're afraid of what the preacher might say. There's something in your life going on that you don't want to talk about. You don't want to confess. And boy, I hope that preacher don't talk about it. I'm not preaching on tobacco next week, by the way. Sorry. Essential oils, maybe, but not tobacco. The Word of God, it reveals that sin. One last story. I'll tell you that because this one actually fit in. Now remember, that's what revival does. It, it should mirror our lives. It should show when we leave here what we're what we've heard in preaching, what we've read in the Word of God, we should be able to see that people should be able to see that on us. It should be a mirror, a reflection of us. But there's a man sitting at a stoplight, and he was sitting there behind the lady, and the light was red, which red means stop. Well, when the red light was, was on, the lady sitting in her car, she started fumbling through her pocketbook. Well, the next thing you know, the light turned green, and she's still going through her pocketbook. And the guy sitting behind her was getting frustrated. He started yelling and fussing. His windows were up. He couldn't hear what he was saying. His windows up, and he started beating on the, the dash and on the steering wheel. He was just throwing a fit. Well, next thing he knows, there's a knock on his window, and it was a police officer. And he tapped on the window, and he asked him what was going on. And here's, the rest of the story goes this way. He said, the man was yelling, you can't arrest me for hollering in my car. And the officer ordered him to, to get back in the back seat of his patrol car. After about two hours in a holding cell, the arresting officer advised the man he was free to go. He said, I knew you couldn't arrest me for, for what I was yelling in my own car. You haven't heard the last of this. Here's what the officer had to say. I didn't arrest you for shouting in your car. I was directly behind you at the light. I saw you screaming and beating your steering wheel. And I said to myself, what a jerk. 
but there is nothing I can do to him for throwing a fit in his own car. <laughs> Here's the good part. Then I noticed the cross hanging from your rearview mirror, the Jesus is coming soon bumper sticker, and the fish symbol on your trunk. And I thought to myself, you, this car must be stolen. <laughs> we should be able to reflect the Word of God when we leave this place. Not just revival, but when we leave the church, when we leave our homes in the morning, we should be able to reflect the Word of God in our actions and what we say and what we do. And it can be tough. It can be, that's why I don't drive to church anymore. <laughs> that's why I ride with Maria. It's tough sometimes. I get so frustrated getting up here in traffic and crazy people. Right, Abby? She shaking her head, no. James one twenty two. But be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is likened to a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straightway forgetteth the man or what manner of man he was. There will be worship. There will be worship in revival. Right here tells us, it says, Worship the Lord their God. A heart full of God can't help but worship. You're going to want to. When your heart gets full, when you start pushing all the sin out of your heart, and you start filling that thing up with the Word of God, you can't help but worship. You can't help but leave here with a smile on your face or go home and call somebody and say, we had a great service, come be with us tomorrow night. You're going to want to worship. I told you I had, that was the last story, but there's actually one more, and we used this one a lot when I worked in EMS. And it, there was a, a, a medic, and he was talking about, he was doing an interview, and, and the person doing the interview said, what's the, what's the strangest call that you've ever run before and he said well recently we had a really good one and we got a, a phone call 911 call at a church and they said that there was somebody dead in the church pew and they arrived at this big old church and they were they went through and the the guy that called 911 met him and said somebody had passed out he was checking him they didn't have a pulse wasn't breathing and so uh the, this is <laughs> this is what the medic said uh, what was so unusual and demanding about this particular call uh, was the fact that we carried out four guys before we found the one who was dead. I, I'm assuming it's true. I don't know. It must have been a big church. Carried out four before we found the one that was dead. Don't come to church to prepare for worship. Be prepared for it when you get to church. Be prepared before you come to church. Be prepared now. And that's not just before revival. I know it's tough and sometimes. It's, it's awful tough to, to get up. And this morning, poor Gideon had to get out of bed a lot earlier than he normally does to come to church with. It can be tough. But boy, it was worth it, wasn't it? It can be tough to prepare your hearts. There's, there's mornings that I can tell a difference right here behind the pulpit for whenever I have time to get ready before church. Whatever, I'm not strapped for time, and I can actually go out to my study and sit and, and read and pray just a little bit longer before we come to church. I can tell a difference than whenever I have to jump out of the shower and get cleaned up, get my monkey suit on, get in the car and get up here. When I don't have that prep time right before we come up here, I can tell a big difference. 
Y'all probably can too. And I encourage y'all to do the same thing. Before you step foot out of the house, prepare your heart. As you're driving, prepare your heart. When you come in the parking lot, prepare your heart. Take a moment before you step foot out of the car and you come into the church, prepare your heart. Take a moment, just you and God, and get ready. Prepare your heart. But it's up to you to prepare your heart before you come to church. Don't don't think that the church is going to prepare your heart. It's not the job of the church to get you motivated and excited about worship. I'm your biggest fan and your biggest cheerleader, but it's not up to me to get you excited about worship. It's up to you to be excited about worshiping. If you don't come prepared to worship, then you will not be moved to worship when you're here. Now, don't confuse emotional worship and and real worship. Remember, we've talked about that fire before, that real fire. Not wildfire, but we want real fire when we worship. The life of the church and the individuals is in constant danger of of becoming extremely dull and unresponsive, kind of like that medic was talking about there. When we don't focus on the Word of God, we don't focus on God, we we risk that. There's a, a high chance that we become dull and unresponsive when we get away from the Word of God. And that's not where we want to be as as a church, and that's not where I want you to be individually. Focus on the Word of God. Focus on what it has to say. Prepare yourself for worship. Don't let don't depend on me to do it. Don't depend on Brother Jason to do it. Don't even depend on the songs that we're going to sing to do it. Do it yourself. Do it yourself. I can't remember if it was Abby or Paisley, but one of them, whenever it was real little, very independent. And I remember them. All I can remember them saying is, I do. I do. I, that's what they kept saying is, I do. They were independent. That's what I encourage you to do. You get yourself prepared. You get yourself ready. You prepare your heart. You get in the Word of God and read and study and pray and fast if that's what you feel led to do. But you do it this week as you prepare for revival this coming Sunday. It is up to you to prepare yourself. The problem is, with most Christians, they're so settled in their Christian life that they mistake deadness for conviction sometimes. I've got to be cautious with that. Is there unconfessed sin in your life? Is there unconfessed sin? We're, we're going to pray here in just a second like we've done the past couple Sundays. But I really want you to think about that, not just today, but for the rest of this week and next week too. Is there unconfessed sin in your life? Is there something something lingering that you need to get off your chest and talk to God about because that will that will hinder you that will hinder your worship so that's what that's where we're going to end this morning is we're going to end on that note but we're actually going to again we're going to come up here and pray and we're going to ask God again to have just a, a movement amongst the the members of the church amongst the church with brother Jason I think he's got some people coming with him I think he's riding with me. He lives right behind the house. I think he's going to ride with me a little bit, but he's got some church members coming as well. So I just want to encourage y'all to pray for his church, pray for him, pray for this church, pray for one another as we prepare. So if y'all will, come up here with me, and we're going to, we're going to pray again, pray for this revival.
Lord God, this morning as we've gathered again here together around this altar, God, God, I pray that this just continues. God, I pray that we continue to move away from this altar, but we take this prayer time with us in our hearts. God, we take it with us in our homes. God, I pray that each one of us would continue, Lord, to, to prepare our, our hearts. Lord, lots of hearts are hurting right now. They're grieving. Lord, they're struggling. They, they've got situations going on in their, in their lives, in their homes and in their workplaces. God, that's grieving the heart. And I pray, God, that as we, we come together this morning here and, and we confess these sins to you, God, I pray that you would hear our petitions. God, I pray that you would hear our cries, our pleas. God, I pray that you hear each heart that's here this morning. And God, that you would forgive. And Lord, that we would allow you to, to Lord, just to, to pour out your blessings in our lives. And God, I pray today as Jason continues to, to prepare, that you would be with him, be with his home life, his new job that he's got, Lord, with his son. God, I pray that you would allow them to continue to be the family that you've put together. But, Lord, give him the time that he needs to study and prepare himself for these messages. Be with Mount Lebanon as they lift up their pastor as he prepares as well. And, God, we thank you for that sweet little church that he's pastoring now. And I pray, God, you continue to bless and grow it. And, Lord, I pray that they can get over the hurdles that have been placed before them, that the devil has placed right there before them. And, God, I pray, again, that you would be with those in this community. Lord, they would hear tale of what's taking place inside the church walls here at Chestnut Dale. God, they would be, they'd be curious about Jesus Christ and the things that are taking place here. And, Lord, that they would, they would come through these doors. Lord, in my prayer is that they would come to know and accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Be with each one that we speak to, every member of this church that's allowed to, to talk to someone else, Lord, to bring them to church. God, I pray that the, the Holy Spirit would draw us to those individuals and we can welcome them here with open arms the same way that you'd welcome them to salvation. Lord, we thank you for the, the, just the many things that you're doing inside this church and inside our hearts. And I pray, God, that you continue to bless us Move us, lead, and guide us. And, Lord, we, again, we just want to lift up Brother Jerry to you this morning. God, just be with his, his health. Be with Doris as well as she is there loving on him. God, we love you this morning. I pray, God, that you continue to bless us. All in your son's name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, you are you're dismissed.